Hello, Burlington, and welcome to Net Zero Energy. I'm Jennifer Green, Director of Sustainability for the City of Burlington, where our goal is to reduce and eventually eliminate fossil fuel usage, all while sourcing our entire energy supply from renewables. So today we're talking with Christina Garcia and Katie Campbell O'Rock, Deputy Directors at the Building Electrification Institute and experts in strategic electrification. The Building Electrification Institute helped us in crafting what a carbon pollution fee might look like, how it might be used, how it might be applied, and how it might advance electrification in Burlington. Christina Garcia and Katie Campbell O'Rock, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. So I think for the benefit of our listeners, we should let people know about the Building Electrification Institute. We've had a a nice long relationship with you, and we're so grateful to the support you've offered us. Tell us, who is BEI? BEI is is a startup nonprofit um, that came about in 2018, and our mission is to equip cities and communities with the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to co-create ambitious and equitable strategies to accelerate the transition toward fossil fuel-free buildings. Uh, We're currently working in 12 cities across the country, providing deep long-term support on all things equitable building electrification. Talk about building electrification. So buildings are a large part of the greenhouse greenhouse gas emissions in cities. You know, in, in really dense cities, where there are a lot of buildings, buildings make up a huge sector of their greenhouse gas emissions. And that's been the reason for all of this focus on buildings in a lot of cities, uh, in a lot of cities. And Burlington's net zero energy roadmap identified building emissions as one of the top sectors in which progress was necessary to reduce citywide emissions. So what building electrification means is the replacement of systems within homes and buildings that currently use fossil fuel as their source to then use electricity as their source. And as the electricity grid gets cleaner, those systems will contribute less and less greenhouse gas emissions, especially in places like Burlington, which in 2014 became the first city in the country to source 100% of its electricity from renewable sources. Electrification also offers a lot of other great benefits that are so important to elevate and that we really want to make sure listeners are aware of Um, And I'll just name a few, right? There's like the potential to create good local jobs. These are jobs that can't happen out of the city. They need to happen, you know, where the installs happen. They need to be coming to your home or to your building. And it can improve public health and indoor air quality, as has been mentioned before. So let's talk a little bit about the policies that we've got going down in Burlington and how BEI has been helpful. So as you all remember, um, uh, back a year, year and a half ago, two years ago, a policy was approved whereby new construction had to meet 85% of its thermal heating load with renewables. Mm-hmm. And that was passed, thanks in part to a lot of the data and research that you provided us. So sort of fast forward to today, now we've got a couple of things that you've also been particularly helpful with, a policy or policies that require new buildings over 50,000 square feet to meet their loads with renewables in the event they need to pull a permit. That's the first one. And then the second one, of course, is new construction. Uh, Maybe we can start with the the first policy and this idea that if you're a large building, again, over 50,000 square feet, and you pull a permit, you would need to replace it. Um, 
I don't know, Katie, do you want to talk a little bit more about that and why, say, 50,000 was something that we landed on? I think it makes sense to kind of start this fee approach with large commercial buildings, really, because those are buildings that often have more capital and technical expertise to analyze the options and make an informed decision. It gives other building types that may need a bit more assistance, uh, a bit more time to plan ahead for electrification. It's a great opportunity, too, to actually generate some funding so the city can direct new investments to under-resourced buildings within the community and ensuring that some funding is available to those who are at least able to afford it. Actually, similarly in Boston, um, Boston just recently passed a building standard called uh, Birdo 2.0, and uh, that ratchets down allowable emissions over time. And if for some reason a building doesn't meet that target, the building owner can pay into a fund. And actually that fund goes towards under-resourced buildings to help them comply with the ordinance and plan ahead. So it's kind of similar to that, making sure that there's a funding mechanism for those who need it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So going with those bigger buildings that have the resources and technical capacity, and also buildings that may be in capital planning mode. So they mm-hmm. they are buildings that are thinking about the, or their owners, thinking about the future, thinking ahead, and, and making plans for when systems fail so they can start now. Right. Yes. You know, new construction is a little bit more straightforward because we can make sure that from the get-go, we're designing all electric and existing buildings are just trickier. So that's why it's really important to kind of be creative with these policies and make sure that we're aligning as much as possible with building owner priorities, timelines, um, tenant priorities. And so that's why this this fee is a, a great idea for for that larger building sector. You referenced other cities. Could you talk about who those other cities are and and why you chose them? Sure. I mean, I can even back up, you know, like when last year when we were helping work um, with Burlington in the development of the renewable heating ordinance, we started looking at research back then. So we've done like a few phases of, of analysis to better understand, you know, what's going on out there. So we started by looking at policies in cold climates and we looked at Ithaca Maine, St. Paul, Minnesota, um, even some cities abroad like Oslo and Stockholm, because we wanted to understand like those additional challenges of being in such low temperatures in the winter. Later on that year or so, we did an analysis, which we call a customer economics analysis, where we looked at the cost of of newly constructed all electric or nearly all electric multifamily office buildings in, in Burlington so that we could better understand, you know, the expected installation and operating costs. When we started talking about existing buildings, we looked specifically at Boston, New York City, and Denver, who, again, they've recently passed policies that that, that address their existing building stock. Katie, I know you know a lot about sort of some of the buckets that we could use. So people say, well, in theory, we've got this bucket of money. How can we use it? And why is this important from an equity standpoint? Do you want to talk a little bit about possible fee usages? I think, as we said, you know, large commercial buildings have more technical expertise often. They sometimes have their own staff that has energy-related, you know, professional background. There are going to be other buildings in Burlington that will need significant additional support. So they're going to need some proactive assistance um, from city programs, utility programs, to be able to 
weigh the different options and understand how to electrify the technical pieces of it, how to finance it. Um, and in particular, I would say, you know, multifamily housing um, and affordable housing will absolutely need financial and technical support to be able to do this transition. We do not want to see any additional costs from um, under, you know, learning how to electrify ever be passed through to tenants that cannot afford to pay. Christina, do you want to add to that? You know, I, I think that this fee is, is really innovative in the fact that it includes this credit option. You know, it allows folks to potentially get some of the money back that they paid for the fee. And so then I think it encourages them to really start planning so that they can get some of that money back. The building owner, if they take action to reduce emissions um, by either purchasing renewable fuel or replacing other systems, like let's say cooking or some type of appliance with renewables, then they can actually get some of the money back You know, when they pay the fee, or I think it could be a credit for the next time around. We want people to really start planning ahead for these kind of turnovers, at some point their systems are going to die. That's just going to happen. And so this really makes them plan ahead for that. There's been a lot of talk about electric cooking just as a sidebar. So this is another option, another way that people can actually be thinking sort of more holistically about their building and even tapping some of that fee that they've actually paid to reinvest okay. in things beyond the policy. If the fee is meant to really apply a social cost of carbon, then being able to offset it elsewhere and reduce emissions elsewhere is a great way to get some of that cost back. So I think that reimbursement really encourages folks to reduce emissions even outside of just the equipment that they're pulling a permit for. So we want to be able to see creative ways that building owners um, will kind of improve their the quality of life of the occupants within their buildings and get some of that fee returned in exchange. I would just encourage folks to stay curious and open-minded, learn more about building electrification. And I'm not saying necessarily all the technical pieces, but really what equitable building decarbonization can look like and what the benefits are. Even just becoming more aware of how buildings affect our lives, affordability, public health, job opportunities, quality of life. The more folks understand that, the more the suite of policies we'll need to achieve our climate goals will make a lot more sense. So I'd encourage folks to see what resources BED has, learn more, and just keep supporting these types of policies as we iterate on solutions. And Christine, anything for you to add? Thank you, first off, for having BI uh, on this podcast. We're so excited to be here. And in general, we, we're so honored to work alongside Burlington during the development of this policy and previous policies that have demonstrated such leadership and innovation in the space. You know, as, as Katie mentioned, this could, what's exciting is this fee, proposed fee could be replicable in, in other typologies and, you know, hopefully in other cities. And so we hope Burlingtonians are excited for this since it provides, again, an opportunity to experience the benefits of electrification and for local workers to get involved. Well, Christina Garcia and Katie Campbell-Rock, I really can't thank you enough both deputy directors of the Building Electrification Institute and key partners in our work here on strategic electrification in Burlington. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and we really appreciate your expertise. Thanks, Thanks for, so having, us. for having us. Our pleasure. Thank you again for listening to Net Zero Energy. If you have any questions about this podcast 
or what BED offers regarding incentives, rebates, or technological support, look for us at burlingtonelectric.com or call us at 802-865-7300. You can also follow us on Facebook. We're always here to help and look forward to engaging with you on our mutual path to net zero energy. Thank you.